This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Awesome. Praise God. All right, Matthew chapter 18. Some of you Bible scholars, the moment I say Matthew 18, say, oh me. Here we go. I don't have a lot of time, so I don't want to, to take too much, but I do have plenty to bring you what I feel like God put on my heart. Are you ready to receive? Amen. Father, I thank you for what's happened during baptism today. I thank you for your presence and for your wisdom. God, I ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, that you, living God, will just speak to us and through us today. And Lord, we know you want this message to go further than we could imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to bring you a message today entitled, Starting Over. How many of you have ever needed a, a do-over? Yes. You've needed a chance to do it again. I had a guy teach me how to play golf back in the days before I got saved. Come on now, amen. And back when I used to play golf, and uh, he taught me about the power of a mulligan. Except he told me to take one on every hole. I thought that's how you played. Come on now, amen. But they, ever so often you need a second chance. Sometimes in our lives we need second chances in our relationships. I believe that God wants to speak to someone clearly out of Matthew chapter 18, Verse number 15 today. Let's begin to read. This is what the Word says. If another believer sins, does what? Sins. Important to notice that. Sins against you. Go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, it, you have won the person back, okay? So your job is to go. It becomes you. Many of us are waiting on them to come to us, but it becomes us who have to make up our mind to go. I made a statement one time, made somebody pretty angry. I said, who's the more mature? I said, the one who acts first. And I really think that the problem there is, is not that someone is, is necessarily the maturity levels. It's just to be, the one be willing to do whatever it takes to restore the relationship. Let's read on. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax. Collector. Wow. Now I have to tell you, in all the years of pastoring, I don't think that I have ever preached uh, this passage as my text before. I've mentioned it as a side note. I've shared it in many conversations with people who are struggling, but I, I feel led today to specifically target this passage. And I want to talk to you about the first part of this passage to begin with, it says, if another believer sins against you. 
if another believer sins against you. Now this is how I break a passage down. I look at the passage and I pick out the key words. And from this passage I find these words, another believer sins and you. Another believer sins and you. Let me, let me show you the way my mind works around this. What this is showing me is that this passage is really bringing things into a context of a relationship. Now, let me say it again. The context of what a relationship. I'm not talking about your relationship with someone who is not a believer, someone that has harmed you that is not a believer. Today, I'm specifically addressing the context of a relationship with another believer. See, that's what the Word says here. There's another and there's you. There are two people in a relationship. The center common ground in their relationship, watch this, is that the fact that they are both what? Believers. Help me now. They're both what? Believers. That means they have Christ as the common denominator of their relationship, okay? So we have two people, you and another person, who the common denominator in your life is Christ. And then something happens. Somebody does something and they sin against you. Two people in a relationship and one of them sins. Each of these words clearly defining what's happening. But before we dive in, I want to bring a wide swing back around to the relationship side of this for a moment. Before I point out about what breaks the relationship, I need you to notice that this verse is not referring to, listen to me carefully, is not referring to things that happen in petty disagreements. This is not referencing whether or not someone smiled at you or someone did not return your appreciation. This is not referencing a public argument. This is not referencing a social media argument. This is not referencing something of this world in that sense, okay? What it is referencing is something completely different. But when you want to deal with somebody, this passage has been used as a weapon more than the balm of healing that God intended for it to be. Because this is what people will do. They will go to people and they will say, okay, if the Bible says if you've offended me, I'm to come to you one at a time and I'm to say to you, now look, you offended me. No, that is not what the Bible says. Because if you start off a conversation with, you offended me? Let me just go ahead and tell you, no good's coming out of that conversation because I may have offended you by accident, but I'm about to offend you on purpose. Come on now, amen. I don't mean that in a bad way, but when you attack someone in the leading of a conversation, that's not a desire to bring healing to a situation. That's a desire to use that verse as a weapon when God intended it to be a balm of Gilead, okay? A healing moment. Something you pour in to heal something, but instead we turn it into a weapon. Because this is not talking about whether or not we're just happy with somebody. And the right way to begin that would be to go and say, have I done wrong to you? Okay? This verse, however, is focusing on one specific thing. Here it is. Sin. I know what some of you are thinking. Isn't sin between me and God? I mean, how do I sin between me and another Christian? Well, to understand that, we have to define sin. Sin, as it is defined by the 
oldest, all of the oldest translations of Scripture. I want you to get this, okay? The definition of sin as it's defined by all of the original translations of the Bible means to miss the mark, okay? So in other words, there's a standard that's set. And whenever I don't live up to the standard and I fall short of the standard, I come into sin, okay? So there's a standard set by God that I'm supposed to live up to. And when I don't live up to that standard, I don't judge myself against you because I'm thankful that I'm not judged by your standard, I'm judged by God's grace. Come on now, amen. But in the same right, we don't have to put other people under our standard of judgment because most of us, I talked to you about this last week, most of us are just glad that we're better than they are. I just realized I may have been talking to one of our other campuses last week, but I talked to somebody about that last week. Come on, amen. And I want you to get this, that my job is not to judge myself against you, but it's to judge myself against the standard that God God sets. So if sin is a judging of whether or not I have met the mark of the standard that's been set before me, I have to then look and see what is the standard God sets for relationships. Here it is. Over and over again, Scripture points out how we are to act to one another as believers. Here's what it says. This is how you deal with each other. You ready for this? Forgive if you want to be... Go the extra mile. How about this one? Luke 6.31. Here we go. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Most of us don't live up to that standard. What we really live up to the standard of is they started it and now I'm going to finish it. They blew the horn at me and now I'm going to run them off the road. Come on, amen. Because instead of doing to others as you would have them do unto you, most of us live up to this standard that we hold people to that says, look, I'll let you go so far with me, but I'm only going to let you go that far because I don't trust you to go any further. And that's not what God has set for us. And many of us may be living in sin and not even realize it because we sin against each other when we treat others differently from the way God treats us. Let me just let that settle in your heart for a moment. When you treat people with less grace than God gives you, you're actually sinning. When you're not willing to show love to somebody you're actually sinning. When you're not willing to go the extra mile, you're falling short of the mark. I don't expect you to yell with me today, but you ought to at least look like you're in the building with me today. You see, most of the time we find ourselves falling short of the mark and we miss the fact of what the Scripture is saying. It's given us this example that opens up God's grace for us. It reminds me of that passage in the Bible that says that there was this ruler, and this ruler loaned this one man a billion dollars. I'm just going to use that number. A billion dollars. And he said, okay, boy, time to pay your debt. Let's go, big guy. Let's have it. And he doesn't have a billion dollars. He doesn't have a hundred million dollars. He falls down before him. He says, I cannot pay my debt at all. I'm sorry. Please don't, don't harm me. And he says, I'm going to throw you and your wife and your, your children all into slavery until you pay the debt. I'm selling everything you have. And the man says, there's no way I can ever fix this. And all of a sudden, the ruler looks at him and says, grace. I give you grace. And he forgives the man. 
How many are thankful for a God who, when we fall before him and we declare there's no way we could ever fix it, he calls grace unto us? Amen. But here's the rest of that story. The very man who got freed from a billion-dollar debt gets up from there, and before, somebody say before. Before he leaves the palace, he runs into a man who owes him a hundred bucks. Now think about it. If you've just been forgiven a billion, you should be forgiven everybody who owes you anything. But instead, he runs into the guy who owes him a hundred bucks, and the Bible says that he grabs him and he starts abusing him, going, where's my hundred bucks? Where's my money? And what does he do to him? He throws him up against the wall and says, give me my money or I'm selling your wife and children into slavery and throwing you into prison. Wow. What happens to that man? The king hears about he that had been forgiven much that wouldn't forgive little, and he calls him back and says, now you'll pay the whole price. See, that's the standard that Jesus has given us for our relationships with each other, with other believers. He says, you have been forgiven much. You need to forgive much. Most of us don't want to hear that. So what is the standard then for what do I do when somebody's not been living up to the standard, the mark that God has set? Here's three things that you're supposed to do. The first thing you're supposed to do is go to that person privately. To do what? Go to them what? Privately. And you don't go in and go, now look, you offended me. You go in and say, what did I do wrong? How can I fix it? Because I don't like the fact that our relationship is broken. How do we fix this? See the difference from let me tell you where you're wrong to, hey, tell me where I was wrong. There's a big difference. Wow. What happens second? If they won't accept, the Bible says if they accept it, you won. It's good. But what happens second if they're still walking in offense? What happens? He says, go and take what? Two or three others with you. Take a couple of witnesses with you. Why? Somebody said, how many should I take? I said, it depends on how big the guy is that you're offended with. Come on now, man. But take two or three witnesses with you. Can I tell you what their job is? Are you ready for this? Their job is to be like the bumper guards on a bowling lane. Because their job is to make sure you both stay in line. And they're there to witness what's happening. Not to be your muscle, but to be the ones who keep you in check. I've had to have Pastor Danny do that in my own life. I've said to Pastor Danny, go with me into this meeting. Watch what I say. And then with another, I took this two people with me. And I said, you watch what I say. And if I'm out of line, you have the sole authority to pull me back into line right there. Make it happen. Because that's what Scripture says to do. And then what happens third? If they still won't repent, what's the Bible say to do? If they won't repent, then first you go privately. Second, you go with two or three witnesses. And third, you bring it before the church. Not the body where people are trying to get saved, but before the leaders of the church. You expose it publicly. Wow. Now, if that's the standard... That's the standard that God sets that says we should aim for in our relationships with other believers. If we're living in, in any other way, we're missing the mark that Jesus has set for us. So if we're missing that mark, we've got to line up with that mark. But here's what I want you to see. Why does God tell us to go privately, then with two or three witnesses, and then make it public? Why does he do that? 
How will God deal with us? Watch this. God deals with us the way that God tells us to deal with each other. See, I'm not just here dealing with our relationship with each other. I'm here with the word from the Lord. God deals with us. God sets the standard of it the way he deals with us. So what was I supposed to do? Go privately, go with two or three witnesses, and then go before the church, and then I have another step. But here's the deal. That's the way God deals with us. If you're missing the mark and walking in sin in your life, now do you know how rare it is for preachers to really call out sin nowadays? This may not be our most popular broadcast, but I am not judged by ratings. I am going to stand before the throne of heaven and will determine whether or not I preach the word to you, okay? I want you to get this. This is what the word says. He deals with us the way we are told to deal with each other. If you're living in sin, what's the first thing that God does? He comes to you privately and starts dealing with your sin. He comes to you privately and says, you're sinning, repent. And do you know that's usually the point I want to go, whoa, help me repent now before you have to get to the next stage. Because if that doesn't work, what does the Bible say that we're to do next with a take what? Two or three witnesses. So if we won't listen to God, God sends a loudmouth preacher to tell us where we're wrong. If we won't listen to the loudmouth preacher, God lets somebody testify in the water and it shows us how wrong our heart is. If we won't listen to the preacher and the testimony, God sends a friend to us who says you're doing wrong. And if we still don't repent, what was the next step? He exposes it publicly. I'm dealing with two sides of things right now. I want you to get this. I'm trying to help us figure out how to deal with each other, and I feel like a prophet of old saying, God's telling you to repent. You need to repent. As a matter of fact, some of you are at the second stage because he's already got this guy up here telling you, be careful, don't live with your sin any longer. He's going to send you two or three witnesses, and if you still don't repent, he's going to expose it. He's going to expose the lie. I mean, this is truth. It's the Word of God. We have no other choice but to measure up to the standard that God sets for us or we're missing the mark. And He's telling us, walk right. Live right. Treat each other right. Be honest. Have integrity. And if you're not, I'm going to convict you. And if you still don't turn, I'm going to let somebody speak it into your life that you need to turn. And if you still don't turn, I will expose it because you're worth more to me than to let you live a lie. So there's actually a fourth step that most of us miss because we actually turn it into a weapon. If you go to them privately, they don't repent. If you go to them uh, uh, with witnesses, they don't repent. If you go to them publicly and they don't repent, then this is what the Bible says to do. It says if he or she won't accept the church's decision, watch this, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now most of us read that verse like this. If they won't accept the first three steps, turn them over and have nothing to do with them anymore. 
I'm not talking about lost people right this moment. I'm about to talk about lost people, but right this moment, I want you to hear what this is about. This is about two believers that have sinned against each other, and here's what the Bible says. Go to each other, then have witnesses, then it'll be exposed publicly. If you can't get it right by there, then the Bible tells you, here's what you do. Are you ready for this? He tells you what to do, and most of us use it as an excuse to break relationship with them and go, I'm not supposed to hang out with people like you. But that's not what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says. The Bible is teaching us that our mark is to be in right relationship, not broken relationship. Our mark is to walk in right relationship. It doesn't mean I have to see that person regularly, but it may mean that I have to show them the love and respect as a fellow brother or sister in Christ when I do see them, because that's the standard that's been set. And most of us interpret it about breaking relationship, but I think the message translation really says it best. It says it this way. If we won't listen to the church, watch this, you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer him God's forgiving love. Here's what the Bible really says. If somebody, watch this, wrongs you that's a believer... You go to them privately. If they still don't repent, you take witnesses. If they still don't repent, you make it public. If they still don't repent, you don't give up on them. You start over and you treat them like any other person who's not serving God. And you make up your mind the way that I live determines where you end up right now because I've got to show Jesus to you. I may be the only Jesus that anybody ever seen and you've hurt me. And if I can show you Jesus, then maybe you'll see past your pain and maybe you'll see past your sin and you'll understand who Jesus really is. Because that's exactly the way God deals with us. If we won't repent after he makes it public, he brings us back to square one and says, do your first works again. Because I love you too much to let you go. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me today. You see, God's speaking to us. We start over. We share the love. We share the hope of Christ. God has started over with me so many times. I don't know how many times. I remember one time our church was going through something horrible and it was, it was ripping my guts out. And, and I, I went to seek out a pastor friend of mine and what he was supposed to do was give me, he was supposed to do one of two things. He was either supposed to help me see what I could not see to fix the problem or he was supposed to tell me that I wasn't wrong in the problem. And I went and sat down with him at lunch, just down the road here, and I sat down with him at lunch, and instead of him telling me that I was right, instead of him telling me, he looked at me and he asked me a question that almost knocked me off of my, my, my feet. He looked at me and he said, I need to know one or two things. Is this an attack or is it a rebuke? I said, excuse me? He said, I need to know, has the devil caught you blindsided or has God exposed your weaknesses because there's unconfessed sin in your life? made him pay for the lunch. I, I don't remember, but I, my point is this. God has sent me with a message today because you are God's chosen vessels. You are conquerors. You are warriors. And sometimes people, even in this house, will do you wrong. And we're not talking about petty offense. We're not talking about whether or not they returned your rake or something like that. What we're talking about is whether or not they're treating you in a way that is not consistent with how God will treat you.
And the Bible has laid out a plan how to forgive each other and to love each other. And then in your own life, if you come in here today and you're living in sin, God's been dealing with your heart, and now I get to be the second stage today to tell you you need to turn before God exposes it publicly. Is this an attack or a rebuke? And then finally, you need to realize that God's not done with you yet. Just because you went through all the stages ten times, He still chases you with His grace. Is there anything, anything, what's the word I'm looking for there? Anything, what was that word? Anything or anyone, anything or what? That you need to work on your relationship with? Is there anybody you need to repent to? Is there anybody that you need to say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Who is God chasing you with? Who is God chasing you with His grace over? Some of you just lay hands on her right now. Begin to minister to her. Begin to minister to her by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who has wounded you so deep? Who has hurt you so deep? This is the moment. This is the time. Again, this is not a sermon dealing with your past and people that should have protected you. This is a sermon dealing with how you interact with each other right here, right now, and this time in your life. This is a sermon not dealing about yesterday's sin. It's dealing about the sin that you won't stop today. God's speaking to somebody. God's already ministering to somebody. What's he saying to you? Bow your heads with me in this morning. The Holy Spirit of God is here. The presence of God is here. I'm going to do something I don't know that I've ever done. I'm going to talk to those students right now for just a moment. I don't know if I feel led to do this. There's some students. Some, some I'm talking to you. Are, you are high school age or younger that are listening to me right now. God's speaking to you. There are people that have wronged you and that are hurting you. There's some there's some families, some fathers and mothers that are causing you pain. And they are supposed to be the examples of Christ to you, but instead they're, they're far from God. And right now, you need to understand that the decision you make will determine years of battles and pains and struggles. I'm not... I, I, I'm, I'm talking about relationships that, that, that I'm not talking about somebody abusing you. I'm talking about somebody who's not living up to the standard of Christ in your life. Some of you are like, you told me to do one thing, but now, now you're doing another. You need to forgive them right now. And you need to ask God to, be, to allow you I'm, I'm speaking, there's some broken homes. I feel that right now. There's some things. Right now, you need to ask God to start using you so that they can see Christ again in them. If you're here today and you know that, that you're the offender in the situation, you need to make things right. God's really dealing with all of us that don't wait on the, off, the offender. Go on the offense for Christ with grace and love. Now look, I'm not going to pray our normal prayer today. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith. 
But while your heads are bowed in this place, if you are not a believer, if, you, if, you, if this doesn't apply to you because you are not a Christian, normally this is where we stop, we pray that prayer of salvation, but we're going to do it different today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus to save me. I just want to see your hand right where you are. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Hands literally going up all around this room. Literally going up all around this room. You can put those down. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray a prayer over all of you. As I pray that prayer, those of you who just raised your hand, I simply want you to say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. And I believe that he's going to come to you and he's going to save your soul. This is where we normally pray a prayer of repentance, but the prayer today is Jesus, save me. Father God, right now as I pray by faith, believing your promises, there are people in this place that you have sent this message to. They are living in broken relationship with each other and with you. And God, you have brought them here today that they might be healed and they might be delivered and that families might be restored and spouses might stop warring and children and parents might, their hearts might be turned to each other and that the body of Christ might work together the way that you've called us to because we hear your word, we hear your Holy Spirit that is convicting our heart, convicting our soul, that tells us to repent. And now we say, God, we cannot on our own, but Jesus, save us. Save us from our own weakness. Save us from our own sin. Pour out your grace upon us. And Father, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we accept your forgiveness. And now, Lord, we will not walk in offense, but we will walk in right relationship with others and with you because Jesus has saved us and delivered us from every attack of the enemy because, God, you start over with us from scratch and your grace chases us all because you are a faithful Father who will never abandon your children. And we celebrate now in the name of Jesus Christ that you have saved, you have delivered, and you are our Savior, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And why don't you give God some praise in this place? Why don't you give God some praise like he deserves? Come on. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.